This is the day that you have been waiting for. This is the Sunday that you canceled all your other plans and made sure that you're in church because this is the kissing Sunday. This is where we deal with a holy kiss. First Thessalonians, we're looking at the last four verses, verses 25 to 28 in chapter 5. A prayer, a kiss, an oath, a life. This is part two. You know we have slowed down to a crawl as we come to the end of this letter to think deeply about the last four verses and see how all the themes in this letter just come together. It's the beloved becoming more and more beloved in light of Christ's return, this urgency to love in light of the imminency of Christ's return. Last Sunday, we saw uh, that we must pray in faith for fellow believers. Verse 25, brothers, pray for us. Prayer in faith for fellow believers displays the glory of the gospel in the lives of beloved as our love grows. But today, the holy kiss. The holy kiss. Now, prayer needs little explanation. You just need to do it. But the holy kiss needs ample explanation so that you practice it appropriately. Some people are like, when do I get to practice this? And, and who do I get to practice it on? Hey, you're weird, okay? You should be thinking about a holy kiss. The idea behind this is this. A beloved must live healthy in holy love. A beloved must live healthy in holy love. Paul is not giving them a new way to say hello. He is not giving them some secret handshake. Their relationships must be and stay healthy so that the word of God and their love would continue to increase and abound. Whatever the trouble that you go through, and you know they had endured a great conflict of sufferings. Chapter 1, verse 6 tells us that you received the word of God in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. God is faithful. He will complete his work. And now we come to the near the end. And verse 26 says, greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. Greet in love. Paul wants to greet the Thessalonians. He's not there at this point. He wants to make sure that everyone is included. Everyone included. Don't just make a beeline to your friends. Everyone is included. He's saying, pass my love on to the whole church. To all the brothers and sisters. He says, greet. That means to be happy about seeing a friend, to welcome I think of Romans 16, where the word greet is used 16, 17 times in Romans 16. Greet this person and that person and the other. This morning I saw a beloved brother from Malawi. You know, people are coming from all over to hear this sermon today about the Holy Kiss. And I, and I saw him and I, I, I went right up to him and just embraced him because he has gone through a great conflict of sufferings over the past year or so. Let's come out stronger for it, and it was good to see him in person. I've been praying for him for a long time. But greet, be happy about it. Welcome all the brothers, everyone. Now, some of you are feeling guilty. I only said hi to one person, or I, I just slipped in the door. Okay, calm down. Now, think with me about the heart of this. The command is greet. 
But the action is a holy kiss. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. Everyone's intrigued about this. What is it? It's found several times in the New Testament. What is the holy kiss? The recipients of the letter were to greet others with a kiss. The word kiss is, is very important here. It's the Greek word philema. It's from the word phileo, philos, love, beloved. It, it's the idea of a, an expression of love. It's an expression of love. It's the startling beauty that defeats disunity. And it is similar, but not the same as, the first century hug and kiss greeting. It is similar, but not the same as, the custom in that day of men kissing men and women kissing women in these kind of greetings to avoid any suspicion of impropriety. It was similar to, but not exactly like, the Jewish synagogue practice, though it seems to have found its way into these early Christian assemblies. It was, it's like the, the kiss that members of a family would give, signifying a close relationship. But it is designated as holy. It's a holy kiss. What's a holy kiss? Everyone wants to know, what's a holy kiss and who can I kiss? It is designated as holy, different, other than other than other greetings. Not the same as other greetings. Why is it holy? Why is it called holy? It's a holy kiss, a holy greeting, a holy expression of love. Why? Because this is the symbol of Christian love. God is holy. He's making believers holy. He wants our relationships to be holy, sanctified, set apart, consecrated unto him. And Christians are the only ones who can do the holy kiss. The world can't do it. They can't pull off that kind of greeting. It's a kind of greeting. There's a character to it. It's a kind of greeting where the beloved are living healthy in holy love. That's the point. The greeting is signifying you living healthy in holy love in your church. That's what it's about. It's holy, it's pure, it's divine, it's dedicated to God. It's to be done righteously in recognition that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, in God's family. Greet one another with a holy kiss. A gesture of love. It's commanded five times in the New Testament. Here in 1 Thessalonians 5.26, but also the exact same wording, greet one another with a holy kiss, in Romans 16.16, 1 Corinthians 16.20, 2 Corinthians 13, 12, those three verses have the exact same wording. Greet one another with a holy kiss. 1 Peter 5, 14 says it a bit differently. Greet one another with the kiss of love. You've got phileo, philos, beloved, love, and agape in the same verse. Greet one another with the love, the beloved of love. Greet one another with the love of love. It's a holy kiss. It's a gesture of love. It's, it's the idea that when you're walking up to people in church and you greet them, it's not just, and you, it can be a, a fist bump. It can be six feet apart. It can be saying hello. It can be whatever you'd like it to be, except as long as it's appropriate. And what it's saying, what it's signifying is you're saying, all is well in my soul and between you and I. 
I'm not harboring any hatred of you or any secret dislike and trying to make you think I like you. We all know how it goes. You greet people, hey, how you doing? Then you get in the car and the family starts talking. A holy kiss versus a Judas kiss. Three times in the New Testament, in the, in the Synoptics Gospels, you see Judas kissing Jesus, which was a huge act of betrayal. We all know that. We know what a Judas kiss is. Stabbing in the back while you're pretending to be friends. Disguised as a gesture of friendship, and it's an act of betrayal. Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Not a Judas kiss, a holy kiss. A holy kiss versus no kiss. Luke 7, 45, Jesus exclaimed, you gave me no welcoming kiss when I walked into your home, but that this woman, since she, the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. Anointing him even before burial, before his death. The holy kiss. The holy kiss is a greeting, a kind of greeting, that sets the tone for all your other interactions in the church. In fact, when, when Paul is saying, greet one another with a holy kiss, he's reaching back into all the other chapters, and it really sums up everything he has said about love in the body of Christ. He's basically saying, do exactly what I have said already. Greet one another with a holy kiss. That's your love increasing and abounding and overflowing the banks for one another. That's being so beloved to one another that you share not only the word of God, but your very life. It's a godly greeting that sets the tone for all the other action, interactions. It's, it's, it's love increasing and abounding. Remember that book by Dr. Seuss, Oh, the Places We'll Go? And oh, we'll hear and we'll go there and everywhere. We'll think of all the things that the holy kiss can do and lead to. Just in chapter 5, just what has been said in chapter 5 already, honoring their leaders and dwelling in peaceful unity with one another, verses 12 and 13. Verse 14, a loving gesture that stimulates the goodwill of the unruly or give an open door for encouraging the faint-hearted and helping the weak and being patient with them all. Verse 15, helping the effort to do good and to not render evil. Verse 16, to encourage joy and, and in others rather than resentment and bitterness. Or distance. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Do everything that God in, wants you to do as a Christian in your local church. It should jumpstart Thanksgiving, verse 18. It should give strength to resist false teaching, verses 19 and 20. It should smooth over misunderstandings that you have with people and prevent angry exchanges, leading you to discern good and evil, verse 21. And for sure, it will lead for you to pray for one another. As verse 25 says, brothers, pray for us. The church around the world, especially in Ukraine right now, is, pray, is asking us, is begging us, pray for us. And this assumes, it implies very strongly that you are together with your local assembly. You're not distant, you're together. You're close. There's a connection. You know you feel the freedom even to serve more when you feel a connection of welcome, you're confident to engage in fellowship when you're welcomed. And Paul's saying, don't let anyone get left out. Don't just make the beeline to your friends. Practice this. 
It's a holy greeting. It's different. It's, it's different. The world can't pull this off. It's different. And, and, the, and the, the, the church sometimes fakes it. What sets it apart? How's it set apart? I'm going to give you 10 characteristics of the holy kiss kind of greeting. First and foremost, it's determined. It's a determined greeting. You notice, greet. You're going to do it. You're willing to do it. You're going to will to do it. It's where you say, in essence, I choose to love you as my brother or sister in Christ. Where you make it your custom to warmly welcome and include others. It's a determined greeting. Greet. It's a command. Secondly, though, it is a generous greeting. You'll notice it includes it's everyone. Leave no one out. All the brothers and sisters. Don't be a respect for a person's. Don't make that beeline just to the friends. When, when you gather, warmly welcome everyone. Lovingly welcome whoever you come in contact with. It's the, it's the idea of the holiness of the relationship because we, we, we are in Christ, which leads to a deep sharing of your heart and your life. Where you don't stay distant, but you, you get close. And so, for example, if there's any suspicion of others in your heart or mistrust or hatred, you're not going to be giving this kind of greeting. It might look like you are. But God is laser-focused on your heart. He knows exactly what's going on. It's a determined greeting, but it's also a generous greeting. And third, it is a family greeting. A family greeting. When God saves you, he puts you into his family. You're in the body of Christ. You've been put into the family. Jesus even says in Matthew 12, it's closer ties than human family because we're, we're tied by the blood of Christ, by the shed blood of Christ in our place on the cross. I read somewhere, the local church is God's answer to your loneliness. If you're the kind of person that even now feels lonely in a, in a room full of people, the church is God's answer to your loneliness. As the church, we can laugh together, cry together, rejoice together, mourn together. And what a beautiful word, together. Like physical family, you'll be annoyed and frustrated and inconvenienced by your spiritual family. But don't abandon the church. Enjoy the church. Love the church. Serve the church. We're going to spend eternity together after all. Ephesians 2.19 says we're no longer foreigners and strangers, aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints. With the saints. Fellow citizens with the saints. Members of God's household. Love in a family is often tested. Love in the body of Christ is often tested. This is where you willfully choose to love your family in Christ because they were chosen by God before the foundation of the world. Think about the people that you have issues with in this assembly. Think about people that you have issues with because you just don't like them. Think about people that you have issues with because they did or said something that you don't like or that somehow offended you, or somehow hurt you. You must willfully choose to love your family in Christ, chosen by God. This is the kind of greeting this is. Some of you thought you were going to get off you know, scot-free with a little peck on the cheek. Some of you were wishing for that. No, 
no, no, no, no, no. Number four, it's a godly greeting. It's a godly greeting. It's holy. It's holy. God's work of grace in your heart. He's put you in a position of holiness. You're in a condition of, of ongoing sin in your life, but you see traction, and you are holy positionally in Christ as a Christian, and you are becoming holy. There's a sanctification process that's happening, and you're gradually being conformed by the Spirit of God through His Word in your heart and your mind and your will and your actions into the image of Christ. The holy kiss is righteousness lived. It's purity of heart and relationship. It's founded on Christ. It's founded in healthy relationships, healthy friendship, if you will. The one another's, being at peace with all, not letting anything come in between you and the Lord and other people. You, you're able to live with a clear conscience before God and man. The word tells us, holiness befits your house, O Lord. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. God says, you shall be holy, believer, because I am holy. I'm going to make you holy. I'm, I'm, I want you to want holiness. Jesus became like us to make us like him. It's a godly greeting. This is the kind of greeting the holy kiss is. Number five, it is a Christ-centered greeting. I want you to think for a moment about a dust-up you might have had with someone recently and what happened in your heart and how you, like all of us, are tempted to magnify your hurt and your frustration and not really think about the other person without regard for the other person. And when you magnify a dust-up between you and another and you call undue attention to yourself, and your hurt and your feelings without regard for the other, you're being self-centered, not Christ-centered. That's selfish and sinful of you, and you must make amends. In a Christ-centered, burden-lifting repentance and confession of sin, humbly, honestly, to restore and to reconcile relationships so that you would reflect the glory of Christ as Christians are to do. It's all because the sacrificial shed blood of Jesus substituted himself for lost sinners at the cross, bought freedom from sin for all who would believe. So this is a Christ-centered kind of greeting that Christians are to give to one another on an ongoing basis as basically the opening for all of our other interactions. And that means that you're going to heal the incidents between you and other people quickly by eager repentance. And generous forgiveness, because this is a Christ-centered kind of greeting, not a self-centered one. It's usually just kind of weird people who say, do I get to kiss everyone in the church? And they pick the people they want to go kiss, you know. No, no, this is, what are you thinking? This is about the way we live. This is about biblical Christianity. That's why it's a unifying greeting. Number six, it is a unifying greeting. It brings the church together. We're holy in Christ. We're being made holy. We're striving for holiness. And, you know, last week it was pray for us. Prayer is like breathing spiritually. Love is like exercise. Keep choosing to love your family in Christ. Warts and all, 
because they're also loving you, your warts and all. Would you feel good about all your relationships if you knew that Jesus was coming back in one hour? Who would you send a text to or reach out to or go talk with if you knew that Jesus was coming back in an hour and you wanted to make sure that you had a clear conscience before God and others? Who would you reach out to to make sure that things are pleasing to God? It's really that kind of urgent love in light of the imminency of Christ's return that flavors this this unifying greeting, which is the holy kiss. Number seven, it is a pure greeting. It is a pure greeting. There there is to be purity of our relationships. We see this in in chapter four, verses one through seven, where we are to know that the will of God is our sanctification and that we ought to abstain from sexual immorality and also not defraud one another and also that God has not called us for impurity but sanctification. Pure greeting, like ivory soap, 99.99% pure. The healthy relationships in Christ that would be driving you to practice healthy tenderness and express closeness of unity and support and not be thinking, why isn't everyone coming my way? Why aren't they coming to me with this love? No, you would just go towards the body with love. The the holy kiss kind of greeting implies that as you're walking up to friends in Christ, you're you're saying, unless it's fake, you're saying everything is good between me and you pure and clean and healthy and and maybe there's annoyances but i'm looking past them nothing is rising to the level of needing to be dealt with it's like hey it's like you on a daily basis physically right my knee kind of hurts a little bit i got a little bit of a stuffy nose but i don't need to go to the doctor and i don't need to be in the hospital like can you can you see that this holy kiss is okay there's no sin entangling here there's nothing hindering or blocking the work of god and, and we can now move out in, in gospel ministry because all is well. You know, we always think it's someone else, don't we? We're looking at someone else. It's their fault. they got to get their act in order. It's like the Nathan to David thing. You are the man. I love it when Jesus was going around before he went to the cross, and he says one of, with his disciples, one of you is going to betray me. And they're all, they're all doing the, the self-exam. Lord, is it I? That's the question we should be asking. Self-aware and open to receive counsel because this is to be a, a pure greeting where, where you don't let unconfessed unforgiveness defile the holy and mock what Christ did. But we do this all the time. We do the worldly greeting. We give, put a happy face on when we're thinking bad things about fellow Christians. God, have mercy on our hearts. You don't want to defile the pure, holy kiss greeting by your list of grievances and offenses that are unresolved and the conflicts and the prejudice and the arrogance and the putrid, ugly list of things that someone else has done wrong. You want it to be a pure greeting. And number eight, you want it to be an honest greeting. Honest greeting. Not engineered, it's real. You didn't have to fake it. 
You greet with the holy kiss, not the fake Judas kiss. You're not covering up ill will. You're not harboring hatred. You're, you're not looking like you're giving the holy greeting while, while harboring anger inside towards someone. And you're not hugging them while stabbing them in the back. It's very, very possible. It's actually probably even true that all of us are still stinging over something between us and someone else. We need to do the right thing and trust God to change our hearts. Yes, pray that God would change their heart, but first and foremost, that God would change yours. I always think when I see uh, two world leaders sitting on a stage together, they're usually like, you know, 10 feet apart, and, and they're like diametrically opposed to each other politically and probably personally, and then they do the obligatory, you've got to get up, do the photo op, shake the hand, give the hug, the embrace, whatever they do, or kiss on both cheeks, whatever they're doing. And I, I always think to myself, they're probably leaning in, shaking the hand and going, I can't stand you, and you better watch it. You know? I always think that because I'm thinking, they don't like each other. I know they don't. That's not the kind of greeting the church should be giving. We're not hiding. We want it to be clear and clean and not harboring any falsehood and no guile. And I want to tell you that this is possible. This is possible. God can change your heart in an instant because you want to do the right thing. And you could be walking up to someone and feel that little twinge in the stomach and go, oh, there they are across the, the campus. I'll, I'll go uh, another direction. But instead, go right up to them and be the bigger person. And as you're going, be praying and saying, Lord, I want to let this go. I want to love. Uh, and, and your greeting to them could actually be a healing greeting of love. I don't mean to be pointing the finger at you. That's just the way I, I talk. <laughs> I feel like I'm looking in a mirror. I'm just pointing at myself, okay? Number nine, it's a theological greeting. It's a theological greeting. It's, it's, holiness is from God. God oversees his church. We need to think deeply about what he has said in his word. And I want to point your attention once again to our membership commitment. Some of you are like, I'm, we're not members. Well, you should be. And you go, hey, you know, did you guys misprint this? I think we handed them out. Did you misprint this? It's on both sides. Oh, we put it that way on purpose. So when you turn it over and go, yeah, I've got enough of this. Let's write some notes on the back. Oh, it's there too. And then you turn it over again. It's there too. You can't escape it. We can't talk about it too much. I want you to go to our website. I want you to read our statement of faith. I want you to read our distinctives. I want you to read this commitment. And I want you to have it. And if, and if, and if you don't see it happening, pray for it. Live for it. Work for it. I think some believers never grow up. They want to be entertained. And they, everyone goes through much pain. They go through pain, and they want to cover up with fun and games. Last time I checked my Bible, the way to cover up your pain is not through fun and games, but God's mighty army is to be advancing on their knees in prayer, in dependence on God, which is the most theological thing you can do. Don't misunderstand the nature of the, of the local church. We've seen it over and over again over the last two years. It's just been exacerbated. People misunderstand the nature of the local church, church leadership, church membership. What we do, we knee-jerk to the familiar isolation of separateness. And somehow that gives us comfort. What we need to do is keep realigning in unified worship and discipleship and evangelism and keep letting God recalibrate our hearts towards what is true and right and good. That's why this is a theological greeting. It's packed with Bible behind it. Just like when Paul says, greet one another with the holy kiss, do that. He's, he's 
He's spraying to all fields for the, the rest of this letter and going, remember what I said. You just heard it. And tenth. Tenth characteristic. It is an otherworldly greeting. How many times have you heard me say otherworldly? The love of Christ is otherworldly, and we are put into a realm that is not of us. Uh, the, the, you know, in that day, the kiss greeting was the common greeting, right? But for Christians, it's holy. It's set apart. It's completely other. It's the, the world can't do this. It's, it's of another realm. It's completely other. Absolutely other. It's holy. It's consecrated. It's set apart to God. So you to welcome and receive one another, which reflects the glory of God in choosing to love us. Think about it. His perfect choosing love. And ours is, by necessity, in our, in our still sinful condition, imperfect yet progressing as God wills, that Christ loved indiscriminately and it wasn't due to our worthiness and we are to go beyond our feelings and, and, and give an otherworldly greeting to our brothers and sisters in Christ, not due to worthiness, but due to the grace of God. Megan Hill put it beautifully in her book, A Place to Belong, Learning to Love the Local Church. She said, our holiness is not merely personal, it is also the foundation of our corporate identity as the church. The surprising thing about the Bible testimony is that the word saint does not single out exemplary church members or church members whose gifts and graces are only of a particular variety. She said, we are not lone saints, haloed marble statues standing aloof on separate hills. We are corporate saints, members of a holy company, and most truly the holy ones when we are together. The pews or benches or chairs of every church in every age in every part of the world are filled with people in different stages of spiritual maturity. We worship with people whose Bibles are tattered and with people who still need help to find the minor prophets. We join our prayers with people who have been praying fervently for a lifetime and people just now learning to pray. We sing alongside people who know every song by heart and people who are singing them for the first time. We sit under preaching with occasional doubters and strong church members and with spiritual newborns hungry for food. But our primary identity is that we are holy. The saints are the church. The saints are us. And holiness is a community project. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Your bond in Christ is unbreakable. But our fellowship bond needs to be nurtured. It can be fractured and broken. And when you obey a command like this, it leads to beautiful outcomes. Again, just, it just summarizes everything we've seen in 1 Thessalonians so far. How God's sovereign choosing love drives our sacrificial choosing love. How the welcomed word is at work in believers. How love overflows all expectations and fosters deep unity. How's leadership in a church models dealing humbly and boldly with issues that arise and how a congregation imitates godly, humble leaders and that overflows with love and then the world sees the gospel on display and the world says, they know Jesus. Well, they belong to Christ. These, these are Jesus people. 
Greet one another with a holy kiss. Don't leave anyone out. Focus on tender love. And this kind of greeting jumpstarts everything else we do. It expresses and fosters the closeness that God has put into his church and the unity and the support. And to, to pull it off, you have to leave room for providence, for God's providential orchestration of all things. You can't work this math out in your mind. Leave room for providence. Uh, my self-talk this week, you know, you have to give, tell yourself the truth. My self-talk this week is where my heart needs to be. It was focused on Romans twelve eighteen. As, so, as far as possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. So you see a situation, and it doesn't seem to be happening. I was thinking to myself, well, people seem to be saying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. And it says that we should trust God and do everything we can to make peace. And you pray for it. But here's the problem. I start thinking, I am 100% right. I've convinced myself of the accuracy of my assessment, and everything in my mind tells me I am right about this. But I must leave room for the providence of God. What is the providence of God? It is his most holy, wise, and powerful preserving and governing of all his creatures and all their actions, says the Westminster Confession. J.I. Packer put it this way, creation was a unique exercise of divine energy causing the world to be. Providence is a continued exercise of that same energy whereby the creator, according to his own will, keeps all creatures in being, involves himself in all events, and directs all things to their appointed end. The model of providence is of God's purpose, personal management with total hands-on control. God is in control. He is in charge of his world. And his hand might be hidden, but his rule is absolute. And we don't know all things. And we don't see inside of people's hearts. And we cannot see their motive, or we cannot know everything about a situation. And as much as we appeal to people to do what is good and right and true according to the word of God, as much as we ask God to change our hearts and theirs, you and I must still leave room for, or better yet, give preeminence to, give first place to, God's sovereign and providential orchestration of life. Because then you'll be able to give the greeting that is characterized as holy. And by the way, you think about the problems you have with fellow Christians right now, which is, by the way, hindering gospel ministry. Can you accept that God may be allowing that situation right now so that he gets the most glory and you get the most sanctifying grace where you rest in Christ under the unexplained and under the uncomfortable? And that's your toughest assignment, isn't it? It's our toughest assignment in life. But if you insist that you are right, even though you don't see all the variables, you're playing God. You're presuming upon the grace of God. God knows what he's doing. His timing is perfect. So when you greet in holy love, what you're doing is something that God wants you to do. You are accepting your church family. You're not rejecting them because you feel superior. It, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. You, you deeply enjoy word-driven fellowship of God's people. You're refreshed by their love. You give the overflowing 
love that marks relationships in Christ's church. You put on display the, the, the beauty, the startling beauty that defeats disunity. And, and there's no harm coming your way to anyone. There's no hate. There's no festivus airing of grievances. There's no falsehood. There's no lingering sin. There's no griminess from you. You've been washed clean by the blood of Christ. You're walking in forgiveness. You're walking in freedom in Christ. And then you will continually be cleansed through confession and repentance. And so when you come to be with the body of Christ, there's no pit in your stomach. There's peace in your soul. Pure love chosen by the beloved over fractured disunity. You overcome all the obstacles to fellowship. You, you learn to love. It's a dress rehearsal for heaven. As we long for the imminent return of Christ, our love must become more urgent because of that. Ask yourself this question. Are my relationships getting healthier? Are your relationships getting healthier? I will tell you, they will get healthy immediately and division will melt away when you suffer. I tell people all the time that are at odds with each other, you know you're going to be going to funerals, right? Why don't you just repent and reconcile with each other? You're going to be going to funerals. Because it just seems to me that when we go to a funeral, we're just more tenderhearted. There was a pastor in Ukraine who wrote this this week. Can you imagine the mood in a society where gradually, day after day for months, the world's media has been saying war is inevitable and much blood will be shed? The streets are empty. Many who can afford it have left. We have decided to stay. He says the church has a role to play in this struggle. We will shelter the weak, serve the suffering, mend the broken. As we do, we offer the unshakable hope of Christ and the gospel. And then he he puts out this plea, pray for the church in Ukraine, that we will faithfully trust the Lord and serve our neighbors. And if you can accept the word of God, the holy kiss greeting leads to be able to say that. When beloved live healthy and holy love, when you have a godly perspective that's fixed on Christ and on his family, when you, when you give the greeting uh, from a soul that's unburdened by sin, and what it does is it gives you perspective on current events in your own heart and life and home to the ends of the earth. It gives you perspective on historic events in your own heart and home and to the ends of the earth because God's grace leads you to bless people. The holy kiss greeting is not an isolated, you know, insulated elitist, invite-only kind of greeting where you just invite your friends. It's not the kind of greeting where you say, well, everyone else is unworthy, though, and they all have cooties. Remember cooties? <laughs> you got to stay away from those, right? I mean, it's not an insulated bubble where you stay away from everyone's germs. The holy kiss is where you choose to love your family in Christ, warts and all. You're known and you know. And you magnify Christ as you, as you welcome each other. It's determined, it's generous, it's family. It's godly, it's Christ-centered, it's unifying, it's pure, it's honest, it's theological, it's otherworldly. What this verse is telling us, this one verse, is pointing back to everything else that's been said about relationships and saying, 
you dig deep with Christ in your local church. With the changing currents, wars and rumors of wars, internally and externally, national and international, Paul doesn't give a new way to say hello. Your relationships must be and stay healthy so that the word of God and your love would increase and abound. Whatever the trouble, God is faithful. He is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We are to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You've got to see things in perspective to be able to give the holy kiss. I don't know why we get so fascinated and fixated on the kiss, but when we do, we forget the holiness. We need to magnify not our own puny problems, but Christ himself. It's like this. We're all like carrying around a little invisible magnifying glass in our pocket. And we, we get a problem with someone and we magnify ourselves. We look and say, look at this. Look what happened to me. Look what they did to me. And I, you supersize your issues and you eclipse the Son of God. And, and by the way, you don't take the magnifying glass and put it on Christ. You can't make him bigger than he is you got to put a telescope on him. You need to see him as he truly is, on his magnificence. You, mag- you magnify the magnificent one, but you can't be magnifying your puny little problems and magnifying Christ or looking at Christ as he truly is. You can't do it at the same time. There's a pastor that recently recounted a trip to the Ukraine in 2008, and he was about to preach at a seminary, and he looked, and he walked into this room, and he looked, and he saw on the back wall, there was this whole row of pictures, of black and white pictures of older men, and they were just one after another, and then there was an inscription uh, in Cyrillic underneath. So he says, well, who are these men, and what does that say? Well, it turns out the photos were of the president's of, the, of all the presidents of the Ukrainian Baptist Union. And the inscription said this. It was Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke the, spoke the word of God to you, and consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. I don't know if you know this, but the first Baptist missionaries to Ukraine were sent in the 19th century by Charles Spurgeon and the Metropolitan Tabernacle. But the, all those pictures, they all died in prison camp. All of them. And for over a century, to be elected uh, president of the Baptist Union was a death sentence. And no man ever turned it down. It was their, their glad privilege, their delight, because they loved Christ. You can only give the kind of greeting that verse 26 is talking about and live healthy and holy love when you delight in Christ above your life. Our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Delighting in God is what you and I were made and saved for. Christ suffered for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. We are forgiven. If you're a believer, you're forgiven in Christ so that you would find your joy in Christ, rescued from from death for a life of, of knowing him. But it's only when the preeminent one becomes preeminent In your heart and in you, do you think clearly with perspective that you can actually give this kind of greeting to your brothers and sisters in Christ? 
For us, as 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. We ought to be exalting Christ, not our puny problems. And when we do that, we will find it, you will find it easy to give this kind of greeting, to welcome your family in Christ and have good relationships because you will, beloved, you will be living healthy in holy love. And Lord, we just, we want to thank you that we can come to you, even looking at one verse and realizing that it encapsulates really the gospel message and it's the kind of greeting that only can come from you and that only you can bring about in our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you would cause us to want to live in a healthy way in holy love for your glory, for your glory, Lord. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.